Well, good evening, everyone, and thank you for spending part of it with us. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long from downtown L.A. Live and from the facility in Thousand Oaks. Sean McVay safely socially distancing from us following a 20-17 to win of the Dallas Cowboys. And, Coach, every team this summer, I think, talked about winning week one by winning the offseason. I wonder if last night felt like a just reward for the way that they bought into the virtual learning and the Zooms and just the overall commitment your Rams had to show in challenging circumstances this summer. Yeah, I, th I think it was a reflection of just uh, everybody doing their part, JB. And, and there's so many people that were instrumental in even getting this thing off and uh, guys like Reggie Scott, all of our coaches, staff. I mean, you know, and then the players ultimately made the plays last night and got it done. But it was great to be able to just play football again. Uh, you scrimmaged there twice. I mean, was it anything close to game day, that stadium? Everything, the big video board, just everything about the new stadium. Was it anything close to those scrimmages? Yeah, the fans. The fans was the same thing, man. We didn't have any. So it was uh, it, it was eerie. I mean, to be able to hear, I mean, shoot, I could even hear John Fossil on a couple things when special teams were up. But I'll tell you what it was reflective of was the great energy that I thought our players brought. You know, you really can feel the connected teams. And uh, I was just so impressed with our sideline demeanor because there was a back and forth game. You know, there were some good things, some bad things. But I thought we were really steady throughout. Uh, our leaders really shined, and, and that was uh, indicative of, you know, making some of those plays in the biggest moments, and, uh, you know, ultimately it allowed us to be able to get it done. To that point, did you learn anything new about your football team that you couldn't just be certain about based off training camp? Or said another way, did last night confirm what you may have thought you had in this group? Yeah, it did. Uh, I, I, thought we were, I thought we were a tougher football team just based on some things, and I thought it showed up last night. You know, we had a couple missed tackles, but I thought we played really physical on both sides of the football. Thought we moved the line of scrimmage on the line, on the offensive line, uh, and that's a really good football team. But, um, you know, we felt like as a coaching staff, and I think our players knew it as well, that we were going to be a, a physical bunch, and, and I thought it expressed itself last night and, and illustrated itself, uh, you know, in our first game. Well, if you listen to Sports Talk Radio, I guess after week one, Brady stinks, Breeze stinks. You know how this goes. Uh, so moving forward, what do you take out of a week one win? Regardless of COVID or any season, uh, just a week one victory, what do you take from that going into week two? Uh, an opportunity to be able to learn from the tape and move forward and, and, and you know, try to establish some consistency. I mean, you, you just said it, DeMarco. I mean, week one is week one. Whether you win, whether you lose, you've got a lot more opportunities and you've got to continue to be able to move forward, whether it be good or bad results. And for us, we were fortunate enough to be able to come away with the win, but uh, we've got to move forward in the right way, be able to handle uh, the start the way that we wanted to and now uh, see if we can stack another one on top of it. Uh, going to Philly and uh, what I know will be a very tough outfit because, uh, you know, they've they've got a great coach. They've been really tough for each of the last handful of years. And um, I know uh, I know it's going to be a great challenge. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, and this is the debut episode of the Coach McVay Show. The Rams 1-0 coming off a Sunday night football win over the Cowboys. And the Coach McVay Show is brought to you by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. Sean, over 140 plays as both teams went to some tempo and really racked up the play count from a conditioning standpoint. How prepared did you feel the Rams were for that kind of week one? I thought they, I thought we were, you know, I thought, uh, I thought our guys, uh, were fresh throughout. I didn't feel like we were winded. I thought, uh, especially at the end of the game and, you know, some of those two minute situations, you know, it, we talked about it defensively, so many bright spots. The only one thing that really stood out was the two minute drive at the end of the first half, but love the way that we played at the end of the game, made a bunch of great stops. And then I thought the tempo throughout the game from our offense was really reflective of the, uh, the shape that they're in. 
Uh, I thought that was a really big positive for us. And then ultimately, we got to be able to just finish those drives in the red area because we had too many good things go on and not enough points to show for it. And it's about scoring points. You know, uh, Malcolm Brown, uh, I guess when I grew up, we called that rumbling. I mean, he was absolutely hmm. bringing the pain up the gut. Uh, what did you call it, the way he ran? I like that word. I like rumbling, DeMarco. He was rumbling, bumbling, stumbling. He was doing a great job. No, he uh, – I thought he had a great night. You know, I mean, you're talking about a guy that contributed in a variety of ways. Um, and, and really, he was uh, – he and Robert Woods were the two offensive uh, game ball winners from the offense. And, um, you know, Malcolm was a stud for sure. Do you think he can be I, – I hate to ask this – a thousand yard back? Does he have that yeah. ability? Oh, I, yeah, I don't think there's any question. You know, the only thing I've told Malcolm is, you know, just being able to stay healthy. Now, I feel really good about our running back core. Uh, I feel good about Cam Akers getting his feet wet in his first NFL action. I think it was good to be able to get Darrow a couple touches. Uh, I continue to come away impressed with the leadership from Coach Thomas Brown, but, but Malcolm Brown definitely led the way last night. Uh, he was outstanding, and uh, we've always felt he's more than capable. But, uh, you know, we'll see how the season continues to go. But he was he was phenomenal last night. Does it take a certain mentality to play a role behind Todd Gurley, who was MVP caliber for a couple of seasons under your leadership coach, and then turn it around and see a rookie drafted in the second round who's going to pair with you in the backfield and still bring that disposition to a new season? You know, I think Malcolm is the epitome of a pro. He's reliable. Even, you know, when you look at all the success that Todd has had, his ability, you know, Malcolm's ability to spell Todd, you know, when he's stepped in, he's done a great job, whether it's closing out games, whether it's spelling him on first down, second down, third down. Um, and, and when he's been able to stay healthy, you know, you've seen all the great things that you love. You know, that's the only thing we've told him is, you know, just, uh, you know, want to be able to have you available because when you are available, these are the kind of things we know you can do all the time. And a tip of the cap to you, man. Great game plan. Getting the ball out quick. Dallas didn't know what to do with it. I mean, they were a step behind the whole first half. Yeah, I thought our guys did a good job executing DeMarco. And, you know, what you didn't know is, I mean, you were really going into it as a blank slate, you know, because Coach Nolan's uh, been such a good coach for a long time, but it's been a while since you have any real inventory to draw on unless you want to go back to Atlanta when he was the coordinator. You're seeing New Orleans defense, uh, but you knew that he was going to have his own flavor. And, I was interested to see how they were going to activate, you know, some of those rushers. When you look at Alden Smith, Everson Griffin, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is one of the better players in this league. And, um, you know, we, we uh, you know, we were kind of just uh, – I thought our guys did a nice job getting it out and not letting those guys really uh, be true uh, impacts on the game. And as for Jared at the helm, that was about as solid a 20 for 31, no touchdown, one interception performance as I can recall. I mean, he was poised. We were able to listen to him command the line of scrimmage in the silence, maybe more than we were used to. What did you make of his 2020 debut? Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. I thought he did a nice job. He ran the operation the way that you expect. And then you say, all right, well, what are a couple things that we expect to do better? Um, you know, we, we can make uh, excuses all we want about the hands to the face, but we got to get the ball out earlier in, in the rhythm and timing of the play. And then, uh, you know, the intentional grounding is something that we can't, uh, you know, we, we've got to avoid those things moving forward because those are taking points off the board uh, when we have a chance to really, uh, you know, take command of the game. If nothing else, the offensive P.I. and the no roughing on Jared, is that a wash, call it even and move on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I think he did a really good job. And, and I think the, the good thing is, JB, is that the expectations and the standards are high for him. So that's a compliment in my way of, of looking at the things I expect him to do. But what you never take for granted uh, is the seamless operation of whether it's the boot game, 
the execution of some of the screens, you know, some of our core drop back plays when we were getting in and out of the tempo and his ability to see the field and, and give guys a chance to run after the catch. You know, I think that's one of the things that sometimes I get spoiled because he's so consistently accurate with the ball uh, that you just feel like, all right, if we get a play that we're trying to attack the right coverage and he just hits it in perfect rhythm, foot in front of the numbers with guys giving themselves a chance to really create after the catch, oh, well, that's what you're expected to do. But then when you really look around the league, you realize how uh, how unique it is for him to be able to consistently put the ball where he wants to, and, and we're fortunate to have Jared. Just getting fired up on the season premiere of the Coach McVay Show. Still to come, a preview of Week 2 and a trip to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. When we come back, when did the Rams know that rookie six-round pick Jordan Fuller was going to be their starter at safety? DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long with you on a Monday night with Coach Sean McVay on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to our season premiere, and let's rejoin you with what Sean McVay described in the postgame as perhaps the play of Sunday night football with rookie Jordan Fuller stepping up. Going forward on fourth, Prescott in the shotgun. Ezekiel Elliott switches to his right side at the snap. Play clock at five as he takes it. Rams bring four. Prescott stands in over the middle. C.D. Lamb dropped at the 10, crossing from left to right. It's the rookie safety, Jordan Fuller, who gets the Rams D off the field. And we continue with this debut episode of the Coach McVay Show. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long at L.A. Live in downtown Los Angeles. And from Thousand Oaks, the Rams facility, here is the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. Okay, so when did you know that Jordan was going to be your week one starter at safety? You know, we decided probably, you know, the, the, the week of the game. Uh, he has been really impressive from day one of, of when we actually got to start practicing. You know, just his ability to handle things. He's mature beyond his years. Uh, I think he's got great range. And I thought last night was a great opportunity for him to be able to learn from. And uh, there was a couple things that I, I know he'd want back from earlier on in the game, but he just stayed together. I thought Coach Evero did a phenomenal job with them. And then in the most important point in the game, uh, he ends up making a huge play against a great player on, uh, you know, on a really tough route versus the defense that we were playing. And, and uh, you know, that was uh, that was the difference in winning and losing the game right there. I, I was asked, uh, is it because rap is hurt or is this kid just that good? And I said, I, the kid can play. I don't know if it's injury or not, but he's good. He's been good since training camp. So he, he's earned those reps. Yeah, he, he did. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate, too, because Taylor's a really good football player, and he's going to be a big part of what we do moving forward as well, DeMarco. But um, I think it's a combination of some of the stuff that Jordan has done a great job of, and then it's been hard because Taylor, you know, in the new system and a lot of the different things that we're asking of our safeties, he just missed a lot of valuable reps. And so he's working himself back in, uh, you know, to feeling good and, and getting that experience under his belt. But he's going to continue to have a big role. And uh, I think uh, it's a real positive problem to be able to have as many safeties as we do that we feel like are starting caliber players. And asking new things of those safeties because of the new defensive coordinator, apart from the product on the field, which we all saw, I just want to know what it was like inside the headset, working with Brandon Staley and listening to him call an NFL game. Great poise, great feel for the game, uh, exactly reflective of what you would want your defensive coordinator to be. Uh, very steady. I thought uh, – I thought in some crunch time moments, I thought he made some great calls that were reflective of a great feel for the game, but also confidence in our players. Uh, and, and especially in some of those red areas, I love the way that he called the two-minute situation at the end of the game. Uh, you know, the sudden change when we did get the turnover, when we turned the ball over offensively, I thought that was such a huge 
uh, two-play sequence on the second and third down where we forced the ball out on the boot on second down and then, uh, you know, ended up bringing six on the, uh, on the third down when they got five out and uh, we had another big stop. So Brandon was great, uh, but definitely don't take it for granted, but that's exactly what I expected of him. Cowboys are a snoot fool, man. I mean, to hold them to 17 points, that's it. That's all I'm concerned with. You can live with that. Hundred percent, and and we we like we said, Demarco. I I, uh, I thought we did a lot of good things offensively. I expect us to come away with more points, but uh, the ball control, and then uh, you know our defense on third down. You know to have that outfit go three for twelve on third down uh, was a was a big deal. One for three on fourth down. I want to say, and um, you know that was big time. I mean that was number one offense in the league, and they even added more firepower with CD Lamb. They're going to be really good. What about running the communications through JJ and Micah for the first time? Did that work well? It did. You know, um, they're like anything else. Um, you know, there's always a couple things that you work through. But I thought both those guys, when you look at some of the uh, special things they bring to the table, their communication is definitely uh, one of those things. And, and John Johnson was excellent all night. His versatility and, and ability to play in a variety of spots is is huge for our defense. And then Micah really getting an opportunity. You know, he played every snap and. And did a great job. He's physical. I mean, you know, he's got great instincts and awareness. But when he arrives, he arrives violently. He had a couple. Uh, I mean, you look at what a great player Zeke is. I mean, it was a physical game. If there is one thing that you could really hear is the pads popping uh, in the absence of the noise. And, and you could just feel what a great player Zeke Elliott is. But also how physical our defense was. And, and I thought Michael was one of the guys that really stood out to me in terms of that physicality. You know, Sean, there were reports this offseason that you were interested in being more involved with the defensive game planning week to week. With Brandon Staley at your side, did that prove to be the case? To what extent is that true? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say this. Uh, I, I'm always trying to just learn more football, uh, whether that was from Wade Phillips and our defensive coaches or whether that's from Brandon Staley and our defensive coaches. So what I never want to do is, is be a burden. I just care about what's best, what's going on on all three phases of our football team. But uh, not at the expense of not allowing people to do their job. And I have total trust and confidence in Brandon and our defensive staff. And if I feel like there's ever something that I can inject that's helpful, but uh, not at the expense of, of disrupting the integrity of the defense or, or the flow of a game. So uh, I just want to know what's going on, but, but that's definitely not true. I've always tried to at least have an understanding of what's going on, but the involvement is, is very similar to what it's been each of the last few years. It was always a treat when the head coach showed up in the defensive room. It really was. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I, I, you know what, I'll tell you what, I like it too because you're getting a different lens uh, to look at the game through than what you're accustomed to as an offensive coach. And what I also thought was really important, and this goes back to even when I first got hired, what I never wanted to be, DeMarco, was a guy that the defensive guys looked at as, oh, that's just the offensive coordinator, that's mm. our head coach. You know, you want to be connected with your whole team, your whole staff, and uh, being able to uh, to be around and, and have that time is the best way that I think you can do that. And so I try to make sure that you allocate your time evenly. Well, that leads me to a question. How can you help Micah Kaiser get better as a young linebacker in this game? Schematic, kick in the pants, both? Yeah, I, th I thought he did a good job. I think it's just kind of settling in. I mean, you really take for granted how long it's been since he's actually played real football. You know, his last snaps of playing real football were in Hawaii last year, and that was still minimal. Uh, didn't get a whole lot of opportunities, but when you felt him go in the preseason, you know, his rookie year, you could see why we liked him so much out of Virginia. But I think it's using every opportunity as a chance to just learn from the reps that you're taking. You know, we, we always talk about to our players, DeMarco, that repetition is the mother of learning. And uh, because of the mindset and the approach that Micah takes, uh, he'll be able to use those reps wisely and, and get better from them. 
By any chance, did Aaron Donald dusting Connor Williams, then forklifting Zeke uh. into the quarterback, make the clips today? Oh, yeah. I mean, he, 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 you have to be – I mean, you could pull almost every snap Aaron plays. He could point something out, whether it's relentless pursuit to the football, doing a great job in run support. Uh, you know, and that play was definitely one that uh, you don't see often. He is uh, – he is he is special, and I'm sure glad he's wearing a Rams uni, aren't you guys? Uh, no <laughs> doubt. Uh, Zeke Elliott's a big dude. <laughs> I mean, he picked him up like a like a like a, a weighted ball and just tossed him. Yeah, yeah. You know, Zeke. I, I I'll tell you what. I've always uh, been impressed with Zeke, but I, I think he is uh, he's as good as as he's ever been. I mean, some of those runs that he made last night. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a hard earned ninety, whatever he ended up with, and. Um, just some of the plays, I, I think he's due for a big season. But uh, our guys uh, did a great job, and, and a couple of those plays, Aaron was uh, Aaron was being Aaron. I thought Kenny Young flew around, made some plays. He did. You feel his athleticism, yeah. don't you, Demarco? Absolutely. I mean, it, his explosion when plays got strung out to him, and he felt uh, a little bit of an open gap when they were running a wide zone play at him. He kind of triggered and shot his gun inside uh, in that B gap, and uh, he made a, he, he played a handful of snaps, and I thought he did really well. With Sean McVay, I'm J.B. Long. DeMarco Farr with us as well. This is the debut episode of the Coach McVay Show. The Rams 1-0 coming off a 20-17 win over the Cowboys. And, Sean, we've heard you say a couple of times last night throughout today that tackling was one of the concerns you had after that victory. My question is, how do you fix it in an environment where it's not like it's something you're going to be able to go practice physically between now and Sunday again? Yeah, it's a good question. I think what I was encouraged about is as the game unfolded, we tackled better. Uh, just getting a feel for... You know, even in practice, when you're thudding guys up, you know, you just talk about being intentional about practicing, getting yourself in football position, shoulder leverage, tackling, being able to bring everything at the point of contact, attacking the football. So what I was encouraged about was, you know, that's a rare player. And there's a lot of skill players, whether it's Dak, Zeke, some of their perimeter players that are going to, you know, be as difficult as it gets in terms of having to bring those guys down. But as the game unfolded, we tackled better. Uh, a lot of our missed stops occurred earlier in the game. So that improvement throughout the game was something that I was definitely encouraged with. Now that we can really coach off of the film and we've got conscientious players, I expect this to be uh, much better in that area next week against a tough Philly team. I always miss the first tackle, but never the second. Uh, <laughs> but uh, moving forward, I mean, I thought you guys did a great job on first down, those first down runs. That's what Dallas was trying to do. You did a great job stopping them. Uh, keeping that going so you can allow Aaron to be Aaron. When you make a team one-dimensional, then you get after the quarterback. Is that something you guys talk about as a staff when you're game planning? 100%. And you're, you're, you're on top of it. You know from all the success you had as a player. I mean, early down efficiency leads to more opportunities to truly attack on the defensive side of the football. You make teams more one-dimensional. Uh, you get them in known passing situations. You don't just necessarily have to wait until third down. And, you know, over that three- or four-yard threshold, you're talking about a second down now. If they want to give themselves a chance to be able to compete on third down, you better, uh, you better throw the football in. Um, we definitely talk about that. It's a huge point of emphasis. Early down efficiency is a big part of what we talk about to our team. Since we've uh, ended up talking a lot of defense here in this portion of the program, we would be remiss if we did not mention the $105 million man, Jalen Ramsey, going up against what could be the most talented receiving core outside of Los Angeles. How do you think he fared in his 2020 debut? I thought he did good. You know, I think uh, there was a couple things early on, you know, just getting a feel for, all right, what kind of concepts, if they have any new wrinkles, uh, are they going to try to activate? Uh, I thought he made a huge play, uh, you know, when we were in kind of a trap-type coverage, rolling off on Cooper at the two-spot, breaking out and forcing what was originally ruled a fumble. 
Um, and then just being able to, to continue to compete. He's got such a great game day energy. You know, his swagger and his confidence and uh, his fearlessness as a competitor is something that I think is really a valuable asset to our team outside of just the production. Um, but uh, he was his best in the second half, and, uh, and I know he'll, uh, he'll even be better next week. Right around the corner on this Coach McVeigh show, we will preview the trip to Philadelphia, the first of back-to-back -back trips to the East Coast and early kickoffs on Sunday. But coming up next, the Rams seem to have hit on a couple of members of this rookie class, the draft class of 2020. Van Jefferson was the story of the summer. His 31-yard catch key to the opening night win. We'll ask Sean McVeigh about it next on 710 ESPN. Malcolm Brown is in front of Jared Goff awaiting the shotgun snap. With two on the play clock, he takes it. Back to throw. Launches left side. Van Jefferson. And he brings it in over the shoulder. Goff dropped it in the bucket at the 20-yard line. And the drive is alive. This was an identical pitch and catch to one we saw in scrimmage number two, Maurice. Yeah, MJD at my side as we call the action on Sunday Night Football. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long in studio here at L.A. Live and the head coach of the Rams joining us from Thousand Oaks as the Coach McVay show continues. Uh, I did wonder, as you heard me say it in real time there, Maurice caught my eye. It felt like that uh, go ball on fourth down, I think it was, in the second scrimmage at SoFi to Van Jefferson. Yeah, in almost an eerily similar spot. Uh, it was actually the same exact play call and um, you know, that was a fourth and four in the scrimmage and that was a big third down yesterday, but I thought, uh, it was a great throw by Jared and he did a great job with the late hands and, um, uh, pretty good way to be able to start off your career with your first catch. What makes him so smooth running routes? He had to ask him and he looks like a guy that's been, uh, running routes since, uh, you know, he, he looks like a guy that's grown up with his dad being a baller in the league and just kind of growing running routes, he just has a natural feel. You know, when I, the one thing I would just say when you flip the, the film of him on, uh, the game makes sense to him. He understands how to work edges on people. He's grounded, but when he gets parallel, uh, he, he, I bet you he can really – I bet you he's a really good basketball player. I mean, if you could put a ball in his hands and you just watch him separate, sometimes those are some of the guys that you really can envision uh, being great receivers. If you said, I bet you this guy was a really good basketball player. When you think about the Keenan Allens – um, you know, and, and the guys that are wired like that, uh, and, uh, Van has a chance to do some special stuff. I thought uh, that was a big play for us last night for sure. Just coaching quarterbacks. Why is it difficult for some quarterbacks to find guys on verticals? Like it just for, you can go an entire season and two guys will never get on the same page, but sometimes it happens quickly. Like we saw. Yeah. I think certain guys have the ability to stack and have good body language where the quarterback feels comfortable to be able to throw them to spots. And then they just go track it, you know? Um, you know, those guys that, uh, you know, cause it's a tough thing to track the ball down the field, but I think there's just a level of rapport and trust. It's no different than a, uh, you know, than a center and a guard working together or a guard and a tackle. It's just about repetition and being able to get a feel for one another. But there are certain guys that, uh, they have certain activators or triggers, uh, you know, in their route mechanisms that make it feel like, all right, that's a friendly target. I feel comfortable throwing to this guy because he's a good communicator with his body language, and, and Van is definitely one of those guys. A testament to this rookie class to make their presence known in week one. Fuller, Akers, Jefferson we've talked about. What about Samuel Sloman? There weren't many loud noises inside SoFi Stadium last night, but the 29-yarder off the left upright uh, made me sick to my stomach, and yet he bounced back and helped you get the win. He did. That was not a good noise for us. Uh, that, that was a loud clang, but uh, – what, what I, I like the most is exactly what you just said. It was the response. Uh, he did a phenomenal job of bouncing back. That was one of the things that we felt good about when he ended up winning the kicking competition is that there was definitely some adversity that each of those three guys faced. And I thought Sam's 
mental toughness and resilience showed throughout camp, and, and then last night was indicative of the same. One thing Maurice picked up on in the scrimmages was the low trajectory potentially on his kicks as a cause for concern. And then Collinsworth said it on the broadcast last night too, although his, his best kick was his third in terms of elevation. Was that something that you guys identified as potentially concerning as you picked him as your kicker? And, and is there anything he can do to improve that, or is that just the guy? Yeah, I think that's, you know, just being able to catch the ball clean, you know, being consistent with your approach, you know, even on the one that uh, that he did miss, you could see he got a lot of turf up with that too. So he didn't really strike the ball clean, but, you know, it's like anything else, you know, just how many times can I find a way of repeatedly having that same action, that same rhythm and routine, and I think you'll be able to, you know, control the ball where you want it to go, much like a golf swing or if a quarterback's clean in the pocket with, you know, just – throwing the football on uh, on some of those consistent trajectories. And so that's exactly uh, what you're looking for. But uh, we got a lot of confidence that he'll continue to grow. One statement, one question. Um, you, you must have been a great kid growing up because you've got AD and you have Johnny Hecker. So you don't have to use him, but when you do, he drops it inside the 20 like it's nothing. No, he, he really uh, – I thought uh, in really even on the one – so, you know, we had three punts the whole night. He takes one inside the 15, one inside the 10, and then the one that they did return, he's the one that forces the ball back inside. You've got to be better in the coverage, but he was the one that, that sprung the ball back inside that allowed Simba Webster to be able to make the tackle. So he's special. Even just, you know, like I talked about our, our team's energy, and, and he is one of the guys that consistently brings it. He's got such a great way about himself. He's so supportive of his teammates, and uh, – you know, he is a real difference maker for our football team. And you talk about a guy that, that really maximizes his value and, and his role and, and what he means to the team. Uh, he's definitely reflective of, uh, of a captain. And uh, the question, cup on punt return schematic or something went wrong there? No, uh, I think uh, if you, you see him run after the catch, you say, you know, I bet he'd be pretty damn good as a uh, punt returner too. So there was also a factor of Chris Jones being a left-footed punter. Different, you know, there's a different spin on that ball. Uh, wanted to make sure that uh, knowing that that uh, John Fossil has a bunch of tricks up his sleeve. So we were a little bit more conservative in our return phase, uh, making sure that we wanted to just regain the possession. And uh, and Cooper was the uh, one that we felt that uh, would do a great job there. But I also would feel good if we were actually trying to activate some of our return game. Uh, the more touches that we can, uh, more opportunities we can get the ball in his hands, the better for our football team. Coach, speaking of Cooper Cup, I'm curious. Fourth quarter, about three and a half to play, and it's first and ten approaching midfield. Don't say it. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, we we got to make the play. We got to do it. So we you gotta, did. You did end. want Jared to cut that loose, not take oh. the yards, and get down in bounds. If you're asking, you know the answer, baby. I mean, Jared Let's was go. running well last night. I, I didn't know if that was four minute mode or if that was a, a chance to put the dagger in him. Up ten, or you want to freaking have to punt it back and watch our defense get a stop? Okay, that, that yes, was the sir. answer I wanted to hear. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, Jared, uh, outside the pocket on what looked like a naked boot in case uh, you're referencing the play and trying to call it to mind. Uh, Sean McVay knew it was coming and, and cut me off at the pass, and rightly so. <laughs> hey, you don't miss anything. I'm impressed, though. It's it was, a, it was a smart decision, but, you know, in all seriousness, those are things that that's a reflection of the confidence that I have in Jared to be able to make those plays. You know, he's got such a great ability to be able to, to boot either way. That gives us a, a big difference, and – uh, got him in a man coverage situation right there. Cooper won on his route, and, and those are plays that uh, want him to be able to aggressively compete because he can make those, and, and that's a reflection of the confidence we have in him. With Jared, is it the the more he shows you that he can do, the more you'll give him? You know, after week one, do you build? I mean, I'm sure you build on it, but 
for your game plan for week one. What you show me you can do, if you do that, I'll give you more. Does that make sense? Yeah, I would say this. I, I, I've already got the confidence to be able to give him as much as we need. You know, it's about what do we think is the best way to approach and to win the football game. But the thing I would say is you feel more than comfortable and confident to put the game in his hands in crunch time uh, in those got to have it moments. And he's such a, uh, you know, he's such a good football player. He's accumulated so much experience that uh, I think you'll continue to see us uh, learn more about this team's identity. But hmm. with him at the quarterback position, you're not limited in anything that you feel like you can put in his hands and him be able to execute. This is the Coach McVay I mean, show. Shit, he's running zone reads, too. Did you see the third and three? <laughs> I did. Come I, on now. I, I, I almost forgot to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is the Coach McVay Show, and it's brought to you by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. Sitting with DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long in downtown Los Angeles at L.A. Live and in Thousand Oaks at the Rams facility, head coach Sean McVay. And, you know, Sean, I'm sure you don't lose a whole lot of sleep over pro football focus grades, but when I did wake up this morning and see that uh, your top three graded players on offense were Andrew Whitworth, Austin Blythe, Austin Corbett, and then Rob Havenstein also grading out pretty well. Was that a, a true reflection of the game they played up front to give your offense a chance to win last night? They did a great job. You know, I would be interested to see how they grade this pro football focus. You know, I'd like to know who's grading, what are they looking at, how do they know exactly what we're asking these guys to do offensively up front. But, uh, you know, if they had good pro football focus grades, then I'm sure they played pretty good, huh? It was Andrew Whitworth's <laughs> best single game grade since 2010. Oh, nice. So said another well, way, it was his best game as a Ram, a 95.2. But uh, it's all within the context of your game plan, I guess, is the context there. I, I, would, I would be interested to see, though, how they're making these grades. You know, I'd like to watch the film with them, see. But those guys definitely, they played really well. So the Rams grade was, was on par with the PFF grade. So that's a good thing. Oh, I, I know what it feels like to, uh, to be drawn off sides on the first play. But... What does that feel like for you? I mean, what does that give you when you're seeing them, you're able to pull them? Was that even a hard count? It was. It was a hard count. It was a hard count. Uh, got them a couple other times, too. I'm sure you remember. Yeah. You know, how many times? What was the most that you ever jumped off sides in a season? Four. Or in a season or in a game? You did four in a game? In a game. Yeah, in Atlanta. I would, are, you, are you kidding me? Not, four times. <laughs> four times? The fourth, what did Coach Vermeil say to you? The fourth time, he said, just keep running to the locker room. I think I might have said that after the second one. Right. <laughs> I, I, I thought he was on one. What do you, what, what do you want from me? Yeah. I want you to key the ball, not the voice. Wow. Wow, well, I mean, but I, in, a, in a quiet stadium, I, I mean, I, I guess that's going to be a weapon for you all season long it's got to be you know the, the one it really has to be the marco and, and the one advantage or one of the advantages that you have offensively is you decide when the play is going to start within those 40 seconds or 25 seconds out of a stop out of a clock stoppage so uh we've got to make sure that our cadence is a weapon that we can use to apply pressure on the defense and also to slow up great fronts in terms of their get off up front and, and i thought that's exactly what jared did last night and now as you prepare to go on the road for the first time, we'll talk about the Eagles to close out the show, but not much changes in that regard, I imagine, home or away this year. No, it really doesn't. You know, the only thing is is, is just being aware of, all right, traveling cross-country and, and, and going the day before the game as opposed to two days out. But our guys have really done a nice job each of the last couple of years of, of not allowing whatever time we're kicking off in our head to be uh, a factor and just our ability to be ready. Um, you know, we've got a great – performance staff that that kind of educates me on 
how can we get the circadian rhythm in in the you know the right spot considering that uh, okay we'll be kicking off at 10 a.m our time and i also think it was helpful to practice in the mornings during training camp uh, so that guys kind of get a feel for hey, getting up, getting ready to go. And uh, it'll be very similar, like you said. And I would imagine we'll uh, I'll be interested to see the uh, the decibel levels at Philly. You know, I don't know if we were all the way up to 75 last night, but I know it can't go any louder than that. Well, to see Dak Prescott and the Cowboys work quickly, too, I wonder if tempo is kind of the NFL-wide theme without the impact of crowd noise, such that as long as Jared is comfortable in his surroundings, he knows where his clocks are, and, and within the timing and the rhythm of the offense, he can go on the road just as he would at SoFi Stadium? Yeah, I would think the mechanisms are going to be very similar, you know, because it's so strange, JB, because we were, you know, you're so accustomed to, you know, because every NFL away atmosphere is, is such a good one now that, you're basically saying, all right, eight times we're going to be able to use our verbal cadence, and then the other eight we're on the road and we're using our silent cadence. And so you work those half the time, but uh, we once we got a feel for what the uh, you know the noise levels will be at, you know, you're you're exclusively on the verbal cadence, and uh, that's something that uh, you know will definitely change the approach to to when you travel, especially offensively on the road. And you know, and then you you, you forget about it, but you know, defense still has to communicate as well. So. It's a different deal at home defense being able to hear one another so it goes both ways but we talk about being a great team that communicates to one another and, and that's where uh, I think that'll be a helpful thing for us this year one uh, coaching adjustment I understand you're going to have to make and that is with respect to your facial covering thanks to a Troy Vincent uh, sharply worded memo to mm -hmm. coaches around the league today that, you know it felt eerily uh, directed at me though huh <laughs> I mean I tell you what I've been getting blasted all day I uh, I better do better next week or otherwise I, I might get fined well, we don't want that to be the case, but uh, thank you for setting a good example for, for all of us as you uh, get your next crack in Philadelphia. Or not setting a good example. <laughs> hey, adjustments week to week. It was only week one. There you uh, go. We will preview that matchup with the Eagles as the Rams hit the road when we come back to the Coach McVay Show on 710 ESPN. And welcome back to our debut episode of the Coach McVay Show with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long in downtown Los Angeles at our L.A. Live studios. And from the Rams facility in Thousand Oaks, Sean McVay is our guest. The Rams 1-0 after an opening night win, Sunday night football, SoFi Stadium opener over the Dallas Cowboys. They stay in the NFC East now to travel to face the Eagles, who scored the first 17 points in Washington, only to see Washington rip off 27 unanswered and lose from ahead. Uh, Sean McVay, welcome back here as we wrap up our evening on this Monday night. How uh, far in advance was your uh, coaching staff able to work with the uh, Sunday night game and the Eagles playing early in week one? Yeah, I, I would think that, um, you know, those guys have done a good job of getting ahead. You know, th these days are always a good challenge where you realize how much the previous day's game kind of takes out of you. And, you know, being able to kind of come on here and talk a little ball with you guys, this kind of represents me just getting started on the Eagles. And then tomorrow is where you really get the bulk of your early down work in. So, uh, so many coaches on our staff do such a great job of being able to work ahead so that it makes the week as seamless as possible and as you transition from game to game. So they've done a good job, and because they do have some continuity at those coordinator spots, they were able to even work ahead a little bit in the offseason. Can you talk about not letting the game get away from you? Like when, when momentum has shifted to the other side, you know about football, sometimes it goes against you. Fighting against that momentum to retake the game and not letting the game get away from you when things start to go bad. Yeah, I tell you what, I thought last night was a great example of that, DeMarco, because for us to go down, uh, be down one point at the half didn't seem right. You know, I thought we had control of that game. 
uh, to only have 13 points to show for the way that we move the football offensively, I thought, uh, you know, was shows the importance of being able to finish drives in the red area. Uh, and then, you know, the two-minute situation at the end of the half, that was really one of the few negatives, I would say, from the defense. But, uh, you know, the guys just never flinched. You know, we always talk about never flinch, stay the course, being able to just move on to the next play and, and having an even-keeled demeanor and disposition. And, man, did our guys do that. Uh, I never felt like there was any sort of panic. Uh, there was a lot of ebbs and flows in that game. But, you know, for our guys to raise up the way that they did in the crunch time moments – think is reflective of uh, some of the mental toughness and the leadership that we have from our players. You'll need more of that toughness as you play three of the next four in the Eastern time zone in the early window, which is traditionally tough on West Coast teams, although your group has thrived in your years as head coach of the Rams. Was the decision to practice at 9 a.m. during the month of August due more to the heat and humidity or because you saw this stretch of the schedule coming? I, I would say this. I, it was definitely a little bit – originally it was because of the heat and humidity and, and because – Typically, I've always been an advocate, JB, of, okay, we're going to walk through, then we'll practice because you're still installing. But, but the way that the schedule was set up with just some of the parameters that we had to abide by from the league, you know, we got everything in uh, in those walkthroughs. And so uh, felt good about being able to move practice to the earlier parts of the morning. That's what the players wanted. And then it also ended up being a good way of saying, hey, we're going to have to get used to peaking at the right time with two of our first three games. So that was definitely something that added uh, a little bit uh, on top of it, but originally it was just for the heat and for the players' requests. The communication between you and your staff, your whole team, is amazing. I mean, just to be able to shift things on the fly and really not have – and let it be seamless. It's just a testament to everybody in the building. Uh, you know what, I, I appreciate you saying that because I, I think that's something that we try to work hard at. And especially in a year where there's been so many changes and so many different things that come up week to week – we talked about this from the very jump of training camp, DeMarco, is just having agility, uh, being able to respond positively and rapidly to change, and, and that's exactly what our guys have done. And to that point, I know the plan was to stay in the East Coast between Philadelphia and Buffalo. Am I correct in saying those plans can no longer move forward? They, they can't, you know, and we could have still done it, but with the parameters around guys having to stay in their hotel room in Philly and um, being away from their families, we just felt like, you know what, rather sacrifice uh, the back and forth travel to have some normalcy throughout the course of the week. And, um, and I think the guys will feel better overall physically and mentally. You know, sometimes you get cooped up in a hotel for a week and it has minimizing returns for what the original intent was in the first place to try to, guy, try to have guys as fresh as possible when the next game comes around. And when you think about what they were going to actually have to do, you're saying, you know, this really probably isn't the best thing, and we always want to do what's best for our players. You know what I want after one week in a hotel? Another week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe well, even two. <laughs> yeah. You know what? But you're used to staying in a hotel when you're at the beach and nice weather and stuff. This is a little bit different this... when you're just cooped up in your room and you say, you can't go anywhere because ah, this coronavirus. This is true. You're just in a small, confined area, and now you're, now you're away from your family. So – um, I yeah. think uh, you got to be a pro. You got to be a pro. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of talk about Alden Smith. He hadn't played since 2015, and he showed up. Um, another guy who showed up, who some people had left for dead, so to speak. Uh, polite, the offense, the uh, the outside linebacker showed up. Had some good rushes on Dak Prescott towards the end. Hey, he made the most of his one snap, didn't he? Yeah. He got up underneath there, and uh, he forced him to step up. But, I mean, I tell you what, he has a great feel for 
being able to come off that edge, dip that shoulder and get underneath. And, and it's the, that is something that, uh, really proud of Jakai. And, uh, you know, you look to see, maybe you get some more opportunities this week. All right, Sean, as we wind down here, which member of the hard knocks crew do you miss the most this week? <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, the, the reason I'm not answering is because that's what it is. No, uh, <laughs> I, those guys did a great job. What I don't miss, you know, in, in all seriousness, this was the thing that I thought was, you know, Tim Rumpf did such a great job, the producer of Hard Knocks that worked with us. But, you know, in a year where there are so many heightened, um, important topics that you don't want to really talk about in front of the cameras because it's mm-hmm. such a personal thing. That was where you just felt like, you know, you want to be able to have this real dialogue, but you don't want it to be on display where it feels like it's uh, for the cameras. And that was the hardest thing because never has there ever been a year with more things that have real magnitude and depth that are way bigger than football. But they did as good a job as they could. But, you know, even just something as seamless as when you got those robo cameras in your office you know, now people feel comfortable coming in. Otherwise, you know, I, I didn't have as many visitors before <laughs> because they knew they never had any privacy. Speaking of your office, what is going on with your stationary bike? Did you steal that from a Motel 6? That is not a Peloton. Ted Rath, man. You know what? It's probably Ted Rath got that for me last year, and now it makes sense. You know, he he, he was uh, he knew he was leaving to go to Philly, so he figured he'd stick me with the cheapest bike. <laughs> <laughs> what are friends for <laughs> hey i i got I, I don't know what i've gotten killed more for all right my bike in my office from hard knocks or my not wearing a mask last night on sunday night football oh i thought you were gonna say not wearing a shirt <laughs> well that, that that's a given i already knew that oh. that was you know as soon as i did that i said you know that is the worst awareness ever i just i just don't know why i did that it was a bad decision Wow. You know, good. Getting, to, good. getting to see you and your fiance and <laughs> yes, your dog, sir. though, it, it was a reminder of how quickly time has passed. And here you are um, going another go around with the Rams here in 2020, your fourth season. Does Los Angeles feel like home, Sean, for someone who did not spend much much of his life in this part of the country? It does. I, I can't believe that you're going into that. We're going into our fourth season. But uh, I love it here. You know, every, everything about this city, um, you know, as you get more and more comfortable with it and. You know, I love being outdoors. The weather's great. And you know, the thing I think is so special is that you can go to some of these places that people save up for the year to go on vacation. And that's 40 minutes from from us, whether you're talking about Malibu, Santa Barbara, Orange County, um, you know, even, you know, the Thousand Oaks area is beautiful. You guys are at L.A. Live right now. There's so many different options and, and we like to be out. And that's why uh, you're hopeful that we can eventually get back to some sense of normalcy. But uh, being able to be outdoors, I love it here. But four years, it's crazy, isn't it, guys? Heck yeah, man. Well, a heck of a week one win, man. Uh, not too many things to smile about. Rams fans, are you, you, you sent them all home, or they were all at home smiling. Big victory over Dallas. You opened the stadium in, in grand fashion. Congratulations on the win, Coach. Thank you. It, I mean, it is crazy, though. We're doing this. So I'm, I'm talking to you guys with a headset in right now, and I'm at the office. You guys are at L.A. Live. This is a wild time in our world. Well, more important goals, certainly, but I hope by the end of this season we're able to connect and uh, do it as we normally do up there at the facility. Until then, uh, best wishes to you and your coaching staff. You played some really fun games against the Philadelphia Eagles so far in your tenure. I hope this is another one that just goes in the right direction. Yep, I I hear you on that. Always enjoy this with you guys. You guys make it fun, so I appreciate it. All right. For DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. He was Sean McVay, and this was the first episode of the season of the Coach McVay Show. Thank you for being with us on 710 ESPN.